Well, we're 11, 12 days now into the new year. What's new? (laughs) Has there been any significant changes in your life? Anything really important that you could say, this is new? I'm willing to say that probably for most of us, life is still the same, right? Still the same humdrum routine, same challenges, same hardships, same everything. Not much is really new other than we have to write 2014 on everything. Oh, uh, there are some commercials that'll try to convince us, though, that we can be new, right? Get the new you. And they're talking about diets or exercise or something like that. Well, God has a message for us. And that is, you are new. You are a new creation. And not just because we're in a new year, but because of something else that has happened in your life. Our messages this year are going to follow this theme of real people, real life, our real God. We're going to take a look at real people in the scriptures and see how their life is like our life. But from it, we'll also learn about our real God and our real life with him. Today we're going to start by talking about the very first people in the Bible, Adam and Eve, that new creation. But our focus is on us also and the new life that we have, and so we'll reflect back on the words that we heard a few minutes ago from the Apostle Paul, therefore if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. Well, what do you know about Adam and Eve, other than they were the first people? (laughs) Well, you know they lived in that place called Paradise, the Garden of Eden, and that life was perfect for them. Uh, We know that they lived thousands of years ago, and that Adam lived to be 900-some years old. Now, if you think about all of that, you're probably wondering, well, how is that real life. I mean, that's not what my life is like at all. So what can I learn about that? Well, there are three things that we can point out and learn from these real people and their real life and our real God. And the first is this, that we have been fashioned in the image of God. Now, as we go back to that first life we see that the world was flawless. It was perfect. There was no drought, no freezing temperatures. There were no natural disasters, no damaging storms. There was no disease. Nobody got a cold. Nobody got the flu. Nobody got cancer. It was flawless. You think about that and then think of the way things are today and you're going, how can I learn anything from that? Well, just wait. Now let's take a look at what human life was like at that time. And we could simply say that it was fantastic. Living in a perfect world, why wouldn't it be? There are no problems. 
no hardships. Sure, Adam and Eve had work to do, but we're told it was a pleasure, not a pain. They lived in perfect harmony with each other. Yeah, a husband and wife got along. No arguing. I guess maybe because there was no TV remotes, maybe. Maybe that helped. But it was perfect harmony, and not only with each other, but also with God. In fact, we were told that God would come and meet with them and converse with them. (laughs) Talk about a perfect life, right? How could it all be so good? Because that's the way God intended it to be. That was his design. From the very beginning, on the sixth day of creation, he said, let us make man in our image. And so God created us to be in his image. Now, that doesn't mean we look like God, because God's a spirit. And I don't think God would really look like this anyway. But the image he was talking about was his spiritual image, his being. And, and so God gave that to us by breathing into man the breath of life. And human beings became a living soul. So there's a a part of us, a spiritual life that is in us now, that's exactly like God. Paul defines that more for us in Ephesians 4 when he says, put on the new self, the new image, that was created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The image that God created us in was one of true righteousness and holiness. We desired only to do His will. That's the only way we talked. That's the only way we acted. You've got it. There was no sin. Now, you're maybe still wondering, but how can I learn from that about real life? Because that isn't real life today. No, it isn't. But that was real life, and I'll even say that is real life. The life to come. What the Scripture said is true. That perfect, flawless world that He created, those perfect human beings who lived in harmony with each other and with Him, that's what God's design is and what He wants it to be. It won't be that way here in time, but it will be in eternity. Because heaven will be that way. So we can learn from that first life what our future life, an eternal life, is going to be like. And that's an encouragement for us to be reminded of that and stay focused on that. Because life is just not everything on this planet. There's an eternity that God has in store for us. That's real. Real life for real people because of our real God. Okay, Pastor, yes, I believe that. We're going to be in heaven. But what, what about real life here now? It's, it's not the way Adam and Eve had it. No, it isn't. But here is something that is the same. We have that same real God. That God who is so wonderfully wise in putting everything together. That God who is so powerful who cared for the people, who knew them and their needs, who loved them and saw to it that they were taken care of, that same God is our God. That has not changed. 
And so whatever needs we have, we know we've got a God who cares about us and will take care of them. That's real life and a real God. But pastor, what about my life now? It's, it's not like Adam and Eve. Well, it's true. And that's the second thing we learn then about real life from Adam and Eve also, that we are fallen creatures. The world isn't perfect anymore, and people aren't perfect anymore. Let me tell you what went wrong. Satan, God's spiritual enemy, was set on destroying what God made perfect and taking away from us the life that God had given. So he came to Adam and Eve and deceived them. Though they had the perfect life and everything that they needed, Satan tricked them into thinking it wasn't so good. For you see, although God had said they could eat from every tree that was in the garden except for one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Satan told them that God was holding back from them. There was more that they could have in life. They could be like God himself if they would just take from that tree. And so he appealed to their light for something better. For thinking, God doesn't have it right. There is something better. And isn't that just the way it is today too? Isn't that how Satan also tries to deceive us? That God's ways aren't the right way. Things have changed today. We don't, we don't have to do it God's way. If we go our own way, just follow our own desires, our own thoughts, or what we see other people doing, that's okay. So Satan tries that same deception on us and succeeds. So Adam and Eve bought the lie. And when God came to question them about what was going on, why they were hiding... What did they do? They denied it. Oh, well, we were, only, we were hiding because we were naked. We didn't do anything wrong. And then when they were confronted with what they did wrong, what did they do? They played the blame game, right? Adam. Well, it wasn't me. It was that woman that you gave me. And then Eve. Oh, it wasn't my fault. It was that serpent that was put in the garden. Isn't that just the way it is today, too? We try to blame others for our failures and faults. We come up with excuses to try to explain what we've done that was wrong. We don't want to take the blame. That's just the way it is. And so what happened was the perfect world, flawless world, is now flawed. Perfect human beings are no longer perfect. And so there came conflict and disease, and hardships, and troubles, and more and more sin, and finally, death. The perfect world was gone. It fell out of that relationship with God. But, the story goes on. 
And we also see that these human beings, though fallen, are forgiven and not forsaken by God. Let me tell you now what went right. God came looking for his people. He was seeking them out. (laughs) They thought they could hide from God. You can't hide from God. He knows where you are. He knows who you are and what you've done. It's foolish to try to cover it up. God still does that today. Still seeks us out. He still calls out to us. Reaches out to us through His Word. He calls out to us through through parents and, and teachers and pastors and fellow Christians. God still seeks us because he wants to be in that relationship with us. When God did come into contact with Adam and Eve, he confronted them. He said to them, Have you eaten from the tree that I told you not to eat from? He wanted them to see that they had fallen. He wanted them to realize that what they did was wrong and it broke the relationship now, that it had to be fixed. And that's just the way it is today, too. God calls out to us and wants to confront us with what we have done that's wrong, that we have broken that relationship and that it needs to be fixed. Now, we don't like to be confronted with what we do wrong. Last week, I had asked my daughter to go through this endless pile of Happy Meal toys that was gathering at home to sit down with their two little brothers and go through the toys. Which ones do they want and which ones do they not want? And as she's going through the pile, they would all say, well, we want that one, we want that one. And she would say to them, but you never use it, but you never use it. And finally the nine-year-old had enough and he stood up and protested, are you paying her to judge me? (laughs) We don't like our faults pointed out. But God does so, so that we recognize the relationship is wrong and it needs to be fixed. And it is fixed because then God forgives. After Adam and Eve admitted, though they tried to cover it up, their fault, God spoke words of promise that the devil would be defeated, that he would be destroyed in his works that were trying to destroy us that from their seed would come one who would crush the serpent and give us life. And God still speaks that way to us today too. Not only does he hold out those words of promise, but he tells us it's all done. It's taken care of. The Savior has come. The old is gone. The new is here. What can we learn from this real-life story? Simply this. Look at your own fall. You can see ways in which you too want to go your own path. Separate yourself from God because you know better. You know what's right. Or you just don't like what God has in store for you. When you recognize your fall, then God wants you to admit it, to confess it, 
Uh, That's really more than just admitting it. Confessing means saying the same thing about it that God says. It's wrong, and it deserves punishment. But from this account, we can also know that we can trust in the God who forgives us. That promise of a Savior, God fulfilled. He performed our salvation. That's what Paul was talking about when it says, you are a new creation. Let's listen again to his words. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. For God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We call that the great exchange. God took our sin and our guilt and put it on his sinless son. Then Jesus, who bore our guilt, also suffered the punishment for those sins as he experienced the wrath of God on Calvary's cross, also that we won't experience that wrath. And in place of that sin, God gives us the obedience of Jesus. Through faith in him, we become the righteousness of God the new creation. The old has gone. The new is here. That's who we are. That's real people in real life with our real God. Fallen, but forgiven and not forsaken. We can see the evidence of God not forsaking us as we look at this next part of God being a new, in being a new creation in Christ. God has refashioned us now in Christ. His original design broke our fault. But God knew what would happen, and so he has a new plan. And here's what the plan looks like and what it was all about. Hearing the words of the Apostle Paul from Romans chapter 8. For those... God foreknew, which means he knew about them before time. God knew about us before we were born, and not just a few months or a few years, though some of us are getting kind of old. God knew about us thousands of years. God knew about us, the Bible says, back in eternity past, before the world was even created. And he had a plan. It says he would predestine us. He pre-planned our life so that finally we would be conformed to the image of his Son, that we might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That was God working his plan now in our life. And, And here is the process that he uses to make us a new creation. He conformed us to the image of his Son to give us that true righteousness and holiness again. And he tells us about that. Paul says, put on that new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Renewal. You see, it's just not cleaning up a little dirt on us. It's not knocking out a few dents or straightening up a few things out of adjustment. When we lost it, we lost it. Totally. 
We were dead in our trespasses and sins and rejected by God. But God has renewed us. He's given us new life. He's regenerated us. And here's how that happens. Paul says, When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The commercials this time of the year will say, you want a new you? You know, try this diet, try this exercise. You want a new you? Follow God's plan. Hear about Christ and how he has exchanged with you his righteousness for your sins. How you are new in him. And that's, the, that's what comes out. <laughs> a new product. People who have a new spiritual life. We're not the old. We are the new. And, and Paul gives us a description of that too. It's not just a little improvement here and there. It's the Spirit who now lives in us and empowers us to live the way God wants us to live. A new life. A life that has purpose behind it. Did you get anything new for Christmas? I'm sure you did. And, and what did you do with it? Did, did you just shove it away in a drawer or cabinet somewhere? No, you're probably using it. Like, I know my wife loves those new fry pans I got her, and she's been using them, right? That's what you do with new things you get. You use them. Well, God wants us to use this new life that we have, not to damage it or to be careless with it, to be careful with it, to use it and to live it. Here's the way Paul pictures it. He says, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us to do long ago. God's purpose is that we have been designed to live his will and to live and do the good things he planned for us to do. Now, very practically speaking, bringing it down to a day-to-day life existence, here's what Paul said it looks like. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now... You must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge the images of its creator. It's not an adjustment. It's a whole makeover that God is performing in us and wants us to live out. That's the new you. So what's new about you? What about this new year? How to go about living it? Start with this. To view yourself as a new creation in Christ. That God who loved you, 
has come into your life, who has connected you with him in Christ, and you have a new life. Let him live in you. Live out that new life. Oh, it can be tough sometimes. Because the old ways, you know, that we like and are used to, still get to us, still push at us, still pull us. But the Spirit inside of us gives us strength to say no to that and yes to Christ. We can live the new life. Do this one more thing, though, too. See other people as new creations. If they are in Christ, they are a new creation. Rejoice over that and encourage them in their walk with God. For those who are not in Christ yet, who don't know Him, you may be the one to lead them to this new life. Be willing to show the new life and to share how you've got it. It's a new year, but it's always been a new you in Christ. Rejoice over that. Enjoy living it, and live it to God's glory and for the benefit of others. That's the new you. Amen.